0: We're gonna get into the word, and you know today's a message was um, was drawn out from the presence of the Lord into my life, and from my heart to you guys, and however you wanna say it or call it, in a very interesting way. Um, this week I was very upset, and I and I really mean this when I say that I was really mad. I was really upset. I was uh, to the point where I was growing bitter. I was. I was just. I'm, I'm just. I got very mad. One of the things that I'm, I'm, and I'm really ticked off at was seeing that um, there was another shooting, you know? And, and those things are just bothering the heck out of me. I'm like, you have no idea. I don't know if it's bothering any of you guys, maybe, because we feel like it's so far, but it's not. Oregon is our very own backyard. It's in the United States of America. And that thing really blew me up, man, and, and really hurt me and bothered me to tears when I was doing my message because... I know God's speaking to my heart, but I also know that I'm mad. <laughs> and, um, and it's just crazy, you know. I think about this situation that happened in Oregon. This gunman went into this college, 26 years old, and they've released his pictures already, and you've probably seen him. And I don't want to give any more credit to that young man, but to the point that he kills nine people and hospitalized seven others. And then you start to see things develop, and you start to recognize that he was targeting Christians. So, you know, just because they're Christians doesn't make it anymore, you know. It would be just as bad as if they were Muslims. It would be just as bad if there were any kind of other people group. You guys understand what I'm trying to say? But it really did hurt me, and it bothered me because I'm a teacher as well, and I'm a father as well and I love students, and I love people, and I see that someone could just take lives like that without any kind of care. And um, it really does break your heart. And you start to recognize what has happened to mankind, what has happened to the people that were seeing this more frequent than not. And, and there's just other things that I'm forgetting that we could mention that have happened in the news. And... Um, I look at this and I say, man, where is the sensitivity of humanity? You guys know what I'm talking about? I see that there's so many people that are just not sensitive anymore. And I looked up sensitive because I wanted to make sure I preached this right in the correct way. So I looked it up and, and this is what I mean, that we're not aware and we're not responsive to the feelings of others. We've become insensitive. Uh, another word that we could use is we've become callous. We've grown callous. And many of you know what callous is. And some of you just think of someone that works out. Their hands grow this extra skin that becomes very tough, very strong. It's a callous skin that now it stiffens whatever was sensitive. That way, when it penetrates, it doesn't have the same effect that it does before it was set its purest form. And that's where we are. And that's what's going on with humanity and I start to recognize that all these exterior manifestations, all these actions that we're seeing are a result. And I truly, as I was in prayer and feeling all the feelings that I felt, all these actions are a result of a neglect of the interior of our being. It's, it's really an outward show of an interior neglect, wouldn't you say? It's that we are ignoring the inner man. We are ignoring the spirituality within our lives, and then we're acting out physically. And what a harsh thing to do that. We see that not just in shootings, but we see that in church, in church arguments, in relationship damages, damaged relationships. We, we see that at workplaces. I mean, it's all over that. What, however we act exteriorly, it's because we are ignoring something that is more important interiorly, the spiritual man that is in every single one of us. And we neglect that. And when people act out a certain way, it's because there is a deeper problem within them. And you've heard us preach that here before. So to solve the problems, and we're seeing it all over the news, it's not by passing laws and gun control laws. And I'm going to share a little bit of my policies to you today. Who cares if you don't agree with me? We're not going to agree with everything. It's okay. We still love you. Come back. But it's not necessarily... Oh, we need to get rid of all the guns in the street. Really? They'll pick up knives, get all the, all the knives. They'll grab plastics and sharpen it. Trust me. Evil's out there and evil will manifest itself. It doesn't matter how you pass, whatever kind of laws you pass. If it's not with a bullet, it's with a knife. If it's not with a knife, it's with their fist. If it's not with that, it's a strangulation. It's always happened. And it will always happen. And it's going to continue to happen. It doesn't matter what laws we pass. The way that we're going to solve this problem is actually different, and here it is. I wish a president or one that is running for president would say this already and stop talking about gun control because gun control is not the problem, and all these things with abortion and all that, that's not the problem. There's something deeper in all those things, and the problem is is that we need to search deep within humanity and make them aware of their spiritual neglect of God, and that's where we've gone wrong. We're neglecting God. And we're blaming it on laws. We need a law for this and a law for that. And we need a reform for this. And we need an executive order to be signed on this. And really, what about Jesus? Why is he getting taken out of everything? Well, there's a law for that too. The heck with your laws. Put back God's laws in this land. Will it ever happen in our day? Doesn't look like it. And I don't believe scripturally it will. Ah, oh, I love that sound. It's awesome. Parents, how many of you love that sound that you just heard? That is awesome. I hope they do that all, oh, sir. No one go back there and tell them to keep it down. I hope they interrupt me the whole service. That was awesome. Man, that was good. Back to the message. You know, this stuff has always happened. You know, let's think about Cain, right? How many of you heard of Cain of Abel all the way back in the book of Genesis? It's happened. You know what? Guess what, guys? Cain didn't have a gun. Cain didn't. It was something deeper that was wrong with Cain and what happened with his brother Abel. And we could go all throughout scripture. And church, if we continue to take God, if we continue to take the name of Jesus out of our countries, continue to expect harsher and darker times. Amen. All throughout Scripture, God has always done away. God has always poured out wrath. God has always brought forth judgment on people, on nations that have turned away from His commandments, that have turned away from His words and from His promises. It's all over Scripture, actually. And we are a nation that has grown bitter, and we are a nation that has become insensitive because we have become distant to God. We are. So as we get into today's word, I want you to really examine your heart. And I want you to be aware of of insensitivity and bitterness creeping in. Because it has always led mankind to do unspeakable things. And God has always allowed, through his grace, through his mercy, time to save us. And to save ourselves before it's too late. And not one of us will ever be able to stand up to God or anyone that we know and say, God, but you never gave me a chance. He'll look at them one day and say, really? I gave you enough time. To get things right. You know, I, I started to think about this message and I think to introduce it, I wanna give you a little summary and you could turn there if you want or in your notes, Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, we find ourselves in the first 11 to 12 verses, a story of this relationship, this couple. And the couple's name was Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira were a very interesting couple. Uh, let's read it for a moment it says in verse 1 it says there was a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira they sold some property so they had some money and they sold some property because there was persecution of Christians so at this time Christians were selling their property and they were dividing the monies with each other so that everyone could have right so they brought part of the money to the apostles in verse 2 and they began to claim that it was their full amount So with the wife doing her part and consenting in this lie, he kept the rest. And Peter looks at Ananias and says, look what he tells Ananias. He says, Ananias, why have you let, can everyone say this part with me? Why have you let what? Satan fill your heart. It's it's an amazing statement that we sometimes just read by and we don't stop and sit on it. But Ananias, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? Notice what he's doing here. Peter being led by God, he notices that there is a bigger issue here. And it starts within Ananias. And and, and what he's asking him is, hey, Ananias, what's in your heart that's changed? And from what I see, it's Satan that's filling it. What's happening to your heart? Did you notice how... How Peter doesn't really approach the exterior stuff yet. He doesn't say, where's the money? He doesn't say, hey, how come you lied to me? He doesn't say any of that yet. The first thing that Peter says is, what's wrong with your heart? You let Satan fill it? And he notices that his exterior, his actions, is because there's something deeper within So then Peter begins to break it down. In verse 3, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. He's basically telling Ananias, you've become so deceived within you that, number one, you became a liar. And number two, you became so greedy that you decided to lie to God and to steal from God. Have you noticed What you've done physically because of what's wrong with you internally? That's amazing. Because we've probably all been in a situation that we've seen someone do something or make a decision about something. And you're like, what happened there? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? What's wrong with them? And we start to judge them according to what we see. But come on, church. What's really going on? inside with the things that we don't see and that's what's happening here so verse 4 says peter goes the property was already yours to sell it or not to sell it and you could have done whatever you wished but after you sold it that money was also yours you could have kept it you could have given it away so why lie how could you have done such a thing like this you you weren't just lying to us look what peter does now he gives him now he gives him the big problem ready but you're lying to who who does he say that's good that is actually amazing because i hope this really does touch a lot of you right now see you offended us ananias you became evil towards us but that's not what's really wrong with you sir What's wrong is that you lied to God, that you did wrong to us, but there is something deeper, and here it is, and there's something more that's within, and this is what it is, that you did wrong to God, and that's where your error is. You see, man's error, it all starts with what we do with God. I was talking to a brother about that this week. I said, you know, sometimes someone acts out, acts out at the workplace, acts out in a some sort of relationship acts out in whatever it is that they're doing and really what's really happening there is it's their relationship with God and the foundation that it's built on something in there got all messed up something in there has been disturbed and Peter recognizes that and Peter tells Ananias you're not just doing this to us who cares about us because I'm gonna get my money what matters is you lied to God what matters is you're stealing from god it's just like giving here on sundays oh i'm not really gonna give listen we're still gonna have church next sunday you're not giving is just stealing from god do you guys get what i'm trying to say and that's what he's saying that that's what he's telling him that that's what's going on here and he said there's a bigger issue in your heart until you don't bring that up so look what happens ready So he starts to judge Ananias from his actions because of what's wrong inside. And as soon as he heard these words from Peter, look at this, look at this, guys. He fell to the floor and he died. He died. He died. Just like Cain, just like anyone else in Scripture, man. The Lord does away with the unrepentant heart that turns away from his word and from his promises. God's not going to honor that and bless that. It goes on to say that everyone who heard about this was terrified. Shoot, wouldn't you? Some of the young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and they took him out and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in. She's smiling. She's got a little purse. She's, uh, she just went shopping with all that money that she just kept. Look at verse 6. Some of the young men, um, sorry, verse 8 and 7 says, about three hours when she came in, not knowing what just happened, Peter looks at her and says, um, did you really sell the land at, your price, uh, at the price that your husband said you sold it? And she looks at Peter and says, yep, yeah, Peter, we sure did. And verse 9, Peter says, how could the two of you even think of conspiring? Look what he says next, to test the spirit of the Lord like this. Never did Peter say, you have an issue with me now. No, he put it all back on the Lord. Again, Sapphira, just like your husband, you have internal issues just like him. How sad. When I look at this couple, I say, how sad is it that the man does not know how to lead his wife? Honey, you just lied to Peter. And you tell them we make this much a year. So when they check the books, they're not wondering why we don't give that much. (laughs) The wife goes in on it. Okay, honey. But you know what? I wonder if the wife actually told Ananias, honey, I think you should do this. You know what, wife, is true. Because I've seen how that happens too. I don't know whether Ananias was leading Sapphira wrong or Sapphira was giving the wrong advice to her husband. But how sad this relationship breakdown is that none of them were leading each other correctly. And his insensitivity to God, his bitterness crept in in both of their lives, and both of them were done away with. It says here, Peter says, The young men who just buried your husband are outside the door, and they're gonna also carry you out too. Can you imagine that? Carry me where? You're gonna die, sweetheart. You're gonna die. It's crazy. Instantly, she fell to the floor. She died. The young men came in, saw that she was dead. They carried her out, they buried her beside her husband. Go ahead, die in peace. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. This is a crazy story. It's crazy because it's more than just giving. It's crazy because it was a heart that stopped giving. It was a heart that grew insensitive. Because Peter first attacked their heart before he ever attacked the price of how much they were going to give. You know that, right? You know that. John Piper says this, and I want to quote him. He says, the root is not itself bitterness, but rather bears the fruit of bitterness. And the bitterness it bears is something poisonous. The bitter fruit may be festering anger, or it may be something else. The point seems to be that whatever it is, it's deadly. So I started to think about scripture, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, look after each other. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look at each other. Pay attention to one another. And then he says this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you because it corrupts many. What an amazing thing that when you become insensitive and when you become bitter towards the things of God, you think that the only person that's getting affected is you, but what we don't recognize is that we're not just poisoned, but we're poisoning our marriages, we're poisoning our children, we're poisoning our brothers and sisters, we're poisoning everyone that once came to eat from the fruit of our tree. And the poison spreads. And because I know Tito's role as a man of God is so important, I need to make sure that Tito knows that in his life he needs a brother like me. So that when I look at Tito, I could say, Tito, that is wrong, and you could get mad at me, but what you're doing is wrong. And who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong? I need to tell you this, because someone that's used to eating from the fruit of your tree is going to come, and is going to get poisoned by the stuff that's coming out of you. We need to look out for one another, and we need to make sure that bitterness and insensitivity doesn't grow, because it doesn't only kill us, it affects People that we love around us, like Ananias and Sapphira, destroyed their marriage. And I don't want it to destroy this marriage we got. And that's what's wrong in this scripture. He's pointing that out. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 18, God makes a covenant with his people, the children of Israel. And as God makes a covenant with the children of Israel, look what he tells them. He says, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, no woman, no clan, no tribe, well, look what he says next, will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. That's a good verse. God's like, I'm doing this work. So just don't turn away. Don't grow bitter. Don't be insensitive. Don't let poison begin to spread in your body. Be aware of the things that you're bringing in. Be aware. You know, I looked and I introduced the gunman, and and I said, yeah, that really was horrible, and that really was sad, and people's lives were taken. Come here. Did you notice how one man's poison affected nine plus seven? What is that, 16? 16? I'm proud of myself. Yeah. 16 people got affected. But no, it goes more than 16 because those 16 people that got shot have families and they also got affected. Man, a multitude of people got infected because one man acted out poison. So he went into a school and he shot up nine people and shot seven more and they're fighting for their lives in the hospital. He didn't just shoot Sixteen people. He also shot their mothers. And he shot their fathers. And he shot their brothers and their sisters. Because that bullet pierced every single person that loves them. You know how it started? Insensitivity in that young man's heart. Bitterness in that man's heart. Lost soul deep within him. So just like Ananias and Sapphira, it affects everyone. Everyone that you do life in front of. Verse 19 says one in the same chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 29. The next verse says, you know, one when he hears the words of this sworn covenant. Oh, this is good. He blesses himself in his heart and he says this. Come here, look at this, guys. I shall be safe. I, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart, I shall be safe. Look what he says next. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. You know what scripture is saying here? He's like, don't don't just think that you bless yourself in your own heart. You speak within your own heart saying, I'm okay. I'm going to be safe and live within your stubbornness. And just that's the way it's going to be. I know people, watch this, that just can't forgive someone else just because they're so stubborn. What they don't recognize is all they're doing is hurting themselves. And, and, and I'm going to continue because really one of Piper's messages really did bless me. So I'm going to continue to quote him a lot throughout the day. But look what it says here. What then is the root that brings forth this bitter fruit? It is a person who has a wrong view of eternal security. He feels secure when he's not secure. Oh, I'm good. My heart is, is, My heart is so messed up. But I'm good. I'm secure. I'm safe. He feels so secure when in reality he's not secure. He says, I will be safe or I shall be secure though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. He misunderstands the covenant that God makes. He thinks that because he is part of a covenant people like the children of Israel, he automatically thinks that he is secure from God's judgment. And and the reality is we forget the verse that God says, I am not a respecter of persons. I could care less if you're a Jew or not a Jew. I will judge every man accordingly. And I know how it is to be a Christian and belong part of a Christian movement and even be a pastor of a church. I sometimes automatically think I have a one-way ticket to heaven because I preach every Sunday. Really? No. That doesn't mean anything. And because I might meet with you during the week, that doesn't mean anything. Those are just things that I'm involved in. Those are just things that I do exteriorly. Who cares if I preach to you every Sunday when my heart is far from God? Who cares if I meet with you and we solve all your world's problems when my heart is wrong with God? All those things are just exterior shows, but yet inside I'm all polluted. Who cares about what I can and cannot do when inside I'm secure because I'm still part of God's people. I'm part of the church. I'm a Christian. And this part of idea in the book of Hebrews deals with destroying this idea, professing Christians. Listen to what I'm about to tell you who think they are secure because of some past spiritual experience or some present association with the Christian people. doesn't mean that we're secure. And it doesn't mean that you're secure. I had an amazing talk with a friend yesterday. And I want to be careful how I say this. And and in this conversation, I said, you know, at the end of the day, all I care about is this. I said, you could get involved in the church. I, I literally said this. You could be in the forefront of the church, everyone could respect you, everyone could love you, and my gosh, you could become famous, and you could do all these great things, and awesome, 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 you're so involved, you're so amazing, you're so gifted, you're doing so much. He goes, and all that stuff is good, I hope you get involved in all that. I go, but if you do all of that without growing in Christ, why the heck is all that worth? What's that for? I told her that. I said, so at the end of the day, I could care less if you become the lead worship leader, if you become the lead children's thing, if you become the next pastor of that church. I go, who cares about everything that you could get involved in in church if at the end your heart is not sensitive to the things of God? So so whatever it is that you're going to do, I told this good friend of mine, I said, just make sure that your heart is right with God and that you're growing in God. And from there, go do it. Take over the world. But don't take over the world when your heart is not even pure before God. I needed to make sure I told her that. And I need to make sure I tell you that. And I need to make sure I tell me that. Because at the end, that's what it's about. And that's what the book of Hebrews is breaking down here. The aim of Hebrews is to cure Christians of this idea to cultivate earnest perseverance in faith and in holiness. And throughout scripture and throughout Hebrews, four times it warns us not to neglect the great salvation that has been given to us, but to be vigilant in the fight of faith, lest we fall away and prove that we actually had no share in Jesus. Here it is, here's the meat of my message. Ready? I'm gonna flow flow through four Hebrew scriptures. Ready? The first one, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Hebrews 2:3. Hebrews 2.3 says this. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know what? That's a question. And you know what the author of Hebrews is really doing, right? He's going to answer his own question. It's like, you, you just can't. Like, you can't escape from this. You can't neglect a great salvation. How are you going to do that? He says, it was declared first by the Lord, and then it was given to us, and we gave it to you. How are you going to escape and neglect this this great salvation that has been given to you? I'm going to keep reading. In the next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 14, it says this. Be careful, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are what? That's good, man. Make sure they're not evil. Make sure they're not unbelieving. Look what he says next. Turning you away from the living God. Turning you away from the living God. What is the author of Hebrews telling us here? Here it is. Take responsibility of your own heart. Keep yourself accountable. Be careful not to let yourself waste away. Be careful not to let yourself dry up. He basically says, make sure your own hearts are not evil, unbelieving, or turning away. Look at verse 13. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and that you will be hardened against God. Man, you want to know what the author is saying? And this is what I'm saying to you. Man, tell me when there is something wrong in my heart. Don't hide it from me, church. If you're close to me and you're my friend and you see something wrong in me, you better tell me. Why? Because I touch and minister so many people. Their hearts are on the line too. When I... when something's wrong with me pull me aside and say rego i heard you i saw this what's going on with you can i pray with you pull me and grab me why because i need you you need each other the church needs to be told when things are wrong why because there's a crowd and a cloud of witnesses that are looking at your salvation there's a people that are staring at us and we are accountable of our hearts we're accountable to our lives Verse 14 says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believe, we will then share in all the things that belongs to Christ. How many of you could say amen? Let's keep reading. Hebrews chapter 6, a couple chapters down. Here it is, same old stuff. The author is making a point. Here it is. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and who have tasted the heavenly gift And who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. That if they fall away, to renew them again. To repentance. Because they continue to crucify him again for themselves, the son of God, and they put him to open shame. Remember the first verse I read to you? How can we escape and how can we neglect such a great salvation? How how can we leave the blessings and the beauty of who God is? How can we grow bitter and how can we grow insensitive to who Christ is in our lives? And here is a passage that I want to break down for you. It's Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 23 and on. It says this. Same author, same book, a few chapters later. Look what he says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. How many of you could say amen? Man breaks promises, God what? Keeps promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I really want to preach on that right there, but I'm not. Because now it becomes a whole other message. Because I do believe God's coming really soon. Uh, just look at the new, uh, Whatever. I'm going to end up preaching it. All right, here we go. But, but meet with one another. Talk with one another. Spend time with one One of the things that bless me the most is when a brother or sister in the church is going through so much. And then they link up with another brother and sister. And they begin to just shine again and they begin to find strength not in themselves but in someone else's strength while they're weak he he says don't neglect meeting together because there's some people that do that they have bad days so they don't come to church they have bad days so they don't call the brethren look at verse 26 dear friends but if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover all these sins Wow. God, God, God is like, "You've known the truth, and you're going to continue to sin. There's nothing else that Christ could do. He's already sacrificed himself on the cross. What else do you want? You're going to turn your back on him again? There's no other sacrifice. But I'm waiting till I get older. But I'm waiting till this person to come back into my life. But I'm waiting to get that job I've always wanted. I'm going to skip a lot because I'm going to go to verse 29. Look what he says. Just think how much worse the punishment will be. For those who trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, And have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. You know, I wanted to get like red paint, but I didn't think it was going to be possible. I had no idea how to even ask someone for help. And I wanted to put a plastic up here. And I wanted to pour red paint all over the floor and say, that's the blood of Christ. And I wanted to preach while trampling on it and making a point, but I was like, it's not good. For many reasons, many reasons that's not good. But the author of Hebrews says, how many people are trampling on his, on his blood and on his holy word, on his holy spirit. Church, just like Piper says, look what he says, that we could cultivate earnest perseverance in faith and holiness and not neglect our great salvation, but that we would be vigilant to fight the fight of faith every day lest we become hardened and lest we fall away and prove that we have no share in Jesus Christ. So what are you trying to tell me, Pastor Rico? What I'm trying to tell you is this, ready? Go home or right now where you're sitting, start examining your heart. It's not worth it. Don't grow distant from God. Don't become insensitive. Don't grow bitter towards the scripture or towards God's people or towards God himself because in every scripture that I've read, it has revealed to us that the end result of a person that grows bitter or insensitive towards God, the end result is not good. Stay pure. Stay sensitive. He goes on to say this, there's a root of bitterness. So therefore, a root of bitterness is a person. Look at this. I think it's going to be up on the, on the screen. It might not, but, but listen to me. A root of bitterness is a person or a doctrine in the church which encourages people to act. Look at this. And it treats salvation as an automatic thing that does not require a life of vigilance in the fight of faith and the pursuit of holiness such a person or a doctrine defiles many and can lead to the experience of esau who played fast and loose with his inheritance and could not repent in the end and find life as i get ready to end in a few minutes i started to think about this and i said god i read all these verses and i'm going to read this to the church and the last thing that i want to do the last thing that i want to become is become hardened I texted a good friend that I could trust with, with inner problems of my life, and I said, pray for me because it's so hard for me at times not to grow bitter. And I said, I'm really struggling in this area. I need prayer. And, and I don't open up too much, but I opened up and I said, it's so hard for, not, for me to, right now to just not be mad at things and at people. I'm bitter. I'm hurt. And I just don't want to hear it right now. And I just opened up to a friend of mine and I said, I I need prayer in this area in my life. And I don't mind saying it to you guys because I want you to know that I struggle just like you struggle. And as I was getting this word ready, I said, Lord, at the end of the day, I want my heart to become softer. And I noticed my dad calls me yesterday and he tells me a story. And I noticed my, my first reaction was to get bitter. And I said, that's not what God wants. To become insensitive. That's not what God wants. My wife will tell me something about something or someone. And the first thing that I think about is, <laughs> grab it by the neck. And I'm like, that's not what God does. And as I was doing this and even coming today, I said, I, I can't preach this without being open because then I'm, I feel like I'm a hypocrite preaching this word. But one of the things that I struggle with is, Lord, I want to stay sensitive to you. I'm tired of being insensitive and I'm tired of growing bitter because I've noticed that when I'm insensitive and bitter I hurt people I hurt my wife I hurt family I hurt friends when I'm not sensitive to your word and I'm far from it I recognize that I'm not the only one that's getting stabbed by this but there's people that do life around me and love me that are also getting affected by my decisions so Lord I I need a, a gentle heart I need a pure heart. I need to remain sensitive again. I need to grow soft. Lord, help me in this. And I hope you guys could pray that with me today. So I started to think about this after reading all the book of Hebrews. And I remembered in John chapter 12, verse 37, it says that that despite all the miracles that Jesus had done, that most of the people still did not believe in him. Are you kidding me? Who the heck sees someone raise people from the dead and spit some mud and makes a blind man see and cures a leopard's hand or cures a leopard's body? Who the heck sees a man grab five loaves of bread and two small fish and feed 20, 15,000 people and yet they turn away from him after seeing all the miracles and yet they don't believe? Come here. Who the heck in Jesus' day would see him say, Lazarus, come forth. After four days being dead, and he comes out and still say, "Eh, I don't believe in you. Who? Who could see great miracles and still turn away from God? You know what God told me? not just them Regal but you because the greatest miracle is not that I called Lazarus from the tomb the greatest miracle is not that I healed the leper the greatest miracle is not that I multiplied fish and bread so that thousands could eat the greatest miracle if you read scripture it's the salvation that has placed in your life So when you ask who the heck can walk away from seeing such great miracles and turn from God, Rigo, you better look at yourself in the mirror. Because you've seen the greatest miracle that I could ever do. Can you just lower that just a little bit? Oh, you can't? It's okay. Danny's doing a good job. I'm just weird. But Rigo, you, I've done the greatest miracle in you. How many times have you walked away from me? How many times have you doubted me? How many times have you neglected me? You know, when I read that, I said, oh, my God, I am such a fool. Because I judged these people in John 12. And I think about all the people that followed Jesus in Scripture and how many of them turned away from him. It's no different with me. It's no different. And today with us, many of us see his signs. Many of us see his miracles and everything he's done. We've even experienced his beauty. And we've decided at times in our lives not to believe in him, to grow distant from him, become insensitive and bitter, and turn even some have even turned away from him. So as I end, I say, how can we grow callous? And how can we grow insensitive to the Lord And I get it, church, man. There are some people that can drive us crazy. And, man, you lose your patience with them. Amen? But come on, with the Lord, with the Lord, you're going to lose your patience. You're not going to be aware and responsive to His feelings. You're not going to be aware and responsive to His commands and to His word and to His promises. We're going to turn away from the Lord and we're going to eventually act out these things that we're seeing and these things that we've witnessed with our own families and friends. And I remember Ezekiel and what God says to the people in the book of Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart, Regal. Church, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new, a new spirit. I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from out of, your, out of you. And I will put in you a heart of flesh. I will do something new in you. I will make that which is insensitive, sensitive again. I will make that remember two weeks ago that which is bitter sweet again I will bring forth the transformation I can do the miraculous I could do the wonder. I could do the sign. I could give you a new heart. I could make that which has been hard and soft again. Rego, I'm waving my hands. I can do it yet again today. And I say, Lord, do it because I'm tired of being bitter. And I'm tired of being mad. And I'm tired of being insensitive. I want to be sensitive. I want to cry over the things that God cries for. I want to scream for the things that God screams for. I want to pray for the things that Jesus... Jesus prays for I want the heart of Christ so do it in me Lord do it in me put a new heart and take away the heart of stone from my flesh and give me a heart of flesh i ask you to stand with me and as we end There was a young girl by the name of Anastasia Bolin. And Anastasia, she was a survivor of the shooting this past week in Oregon. One of the bullets hit her in the spine and it went down her spine. She fell to the floor and she laid there and she was bleeding and she pretended like she was dead to the point that the shooter went up to her and said, girl! girl I'm talking to you girl and she just laid there like she was dead because she was shot in her back she says if I just move if I say me he's going to shoot me like he shot the other ones and she just laid there when the young man was killed in a shootout and they came into the rooms they took her out and they had to take her to the emergency surgery because it was the spine that got affected she told her story of exactly what happened to her father she said, Dad, I'm going to tell you exactly before I go into surgery how it happened so you can know. And this young girl, Anastasia, said that the gunman entered the classroom and he began firing. And he told the professor, of the teacher of the class, her words is that he said this, I've been waiting to do this for years. And he shot him point blank. While reloading his handgun, everyone's on the floor now, in the room. This is a classroom that he once sat in, that he was part of. So his face was familiar to a lot of these students. When he reloaded his gun, he ordered the students to all stand up. And he began to ask each one of them, whether they were Christians, do you believe in Jesus? each one of them would stand up and say, I do. I believe in Jesus. Another one would stand up, I believe in Jesus. And every time someone would stand up and say, I believe in Jesus, Anastasia says that his words were, he would say this, he said, good. Because you're a Christian, you're going to see God in just about one second. And he would shoot them. what bitterness what insensitivity what sickness you know I think about the hero of this story the hero of this story is God how can you say that I could <laughs> you see I look at this story and I say the hero's God because God got the fame God got the notoriety God got the honor the shooter in a writing in a journal that they found he wanted his name to be known more than the other shooters that have happened in the past he wanted his acts to be known and he wanted to even do worse things than what he did in that room and he wanted everyone to know his name and he wanted to be known all around the world internationally in one of his writings he wrote that But you know what's crazy about this story? That no one will remember that shooter's name in the days to come because I don't even remember it now. That poor soul, he thought he was going to become famous and he thought his face was going to be all over the news and everyone was going to remember him forever. But no one's going to remember that shooter in a few days. But what will be remembered is that, that a group of people stood up and said, Yes, we believe in Jesus. What will be remembered is that christ meant so much to a group of people that they put their lives on the line for jesus in the midst of evil we saw such purity in the midst of darkness we saw so much light in the midst of what is disgust we saw something so beautiful what makes people stand pure in the midst of evil i know what it is church it's a new heart it's one of flesh it's without bitterness it is one that is sensitive to the Lord it is one that says this it is better for me to stand up and die for Jesus than for me to lay down in blood and neglect him for loving me yes I believe in Jesus I don't know how those seven did it and I don't know how they got bold to say shoot me if you have to but I won't deny Christ but I bet it goes deeper than anything else that we know I know it goes deep into their hearts. I know that they didn't take off their eyes off Christ. There was bullets flying in the room, but they stood up with purity and said, shoot me if you may. But man, I will stand for Jesus, though you shoot me. That is amazing, and that is powerful. And all I could say is, Lord, I want a heart like theirs. Because I'm the one that always says, well, if someone comes in, I'm going to shoot them first. And if someone does this, then I'm going to make sure I kill to protect my family. How about if I say, son, wife, daughter, family, friends, if someone stands in the midst of us, you don't fight back, but you love back. And you tell them Jesus loves them. And if it takes your life, it takes your life. Christ went for the cross for you. What will you do for Jesus Christ? Fight for Jesus with your life. Fight for Jesus in your heart. Fight for Jesus with purity. Stand up, declare him, and have a pure heart before the world. That's it. I want that heart, God. I long for this heart. So the man is dead. He's known as a sick person. And all over the world, people recognize that Jesus still lives in the midst of a college shooting. Jesus still lives. That boy that went to that church and shot those people praying in the service, what's his name? But you do know that he shot a church. You do know that he shot some Christians praying. And you do know that one of the family members of one of the ones that got killed forgave them and said, I just want him to know Christ and I forgive him with the love of Christ though he killed my family member he didn't win there either God will always have the honor God will always have the glory it wasn't even about the seven that stood up and said Jesus it was about God still being glorified in the midst of death and church he could be glorified in the midst of death and in the midst of life in you if you continue to be sensitive if you continue to be pure to the Lord and to His Word. Don't grow bitter. Don't grow insensitive. Change the world one person at a time because of the health of your soul and the health of your heart. You want revival? Don't worry about preaching in the mountains into the valley. You want revival? Go home today. Go eat dinner with your family and wash one of their feet with love. Wash their souls with grace and just have a conversation about them. Tell them how you love them and how you forgive them. Sometimes the biggest distraction is you preaching about Jesus all the time and not living like Jesus all the time. Begin to live pure and don't just speak what is pure and you'll start seeing revival in the midst of your life. It starts with your heart. Let's worship Him. Come on, worship him. If that's you right now, say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, redeem my heart. Make it pure. Lord, do a miracle. Church, worship. Give your heart. I lift your name up. Lord, make it pure. I lift your name up. I want to fight bitterness today. Today I fight insensitivity. Make me pure. I lift your name. Make me sensitive. I lift your name up. Jesus may glory. I lift your name up.